This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. Good morning, I'm John Trout. It's Monday, February 5th, 2024. Here's what's coming up on America in the Morning. An Iraqi militia official has downplayed the U.S. strikes in Iraq, hinting at de-escalation. I'm Karen Chavas. Treacherous weather in parts of California. I'm Clayton Neville. President Biden wins the Democrats' first-in-the-nation primary Saturday in South Carolina as he moves on to campaigning in Nevada. I'm Julie Walker. Southern border response triggers pushback from Native Americans. What can the stock market do for an encore after an unlikely Friday rally and record closes for both the Dow and S&P 500? I'm Peter Schachnow. There's another vehicle recall. I'm Rita Foley. A Maine family has given up on a proposal to honor veterans with the world's tallest flagpole. I'm Norman Hall. A dog was rescued after more than a week trapped inside a shipping container in a busy Texas port. I'm Lisa Dwyer. The U.S. Senate has revealed its highly anticipated bill that links changes to U.S. immigration policy with an agreement for more funding for Ukraine. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. A divided Congress is torn between tightening border security, funding Israel, Ukraine, and other allies, and blocking a bipartisan bill, as requested by Republican presidential candidate Donald Trump. How can a bill be dead on arrival and extreme MAGA Republicans in the House haven't even seen the text? That bothers House Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries, who spoke on ABC's This Week with George Stephanopoulos. House Republicans at this point are wholly owned subsidiaries of Donald Trump. The House Speaker, Mike Johnson, on NBC's Meet the Press, says they have their own bill, stricter than the Senate's. We would resolve the asylum, the broken asylum system and the broken parole system. We would uh, reinstitute Remain in Mexico. The Senate bill would authorize the funding that President Biden is seeking to provide wartime aid to Ukraine. A test vote could come this week. I'm Jackie Quinn. An Iraqi militia leader has downplayed the U.S. strikes in Iraq. Correspondent Karen Shamas has details. Speaking to the Associated Press, Hussein al-Musawi, a spokesperson for Harakat al-Nujaba, one of the main Iranian-backed militias in Iraq, suggested a desire to cool down tensions in the Middle East. His comments come after the U.S. struck dozens of sites in Iraq and Syria used by Iranian-backed militias and the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. Musawi condemned the U.S. strikes, saying the U.S. must understand that every action elicits a reaction. But he then struck a more conciliatory tone, saying that we do not wish to escalate or widen regional tensions. The air assault was the opening salvo of U.S. retaliation for a drone strike that killed three U.S. troops in Jordan last weekend. The U.S. has blamed that on the Islamic resistance in Iraq, a coalition of Iranian-backed militias. I'm Karen Shamas. A potentially life-threatening storm system moving through California has prompted an emergency evacuation order by the state's governor. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the latest. Weather threats stretch from northern to southern California with serious flooding concerns in San Diego and L.A. This storm is a serious weather event. This has the potential to be a historic storm, severe winds, thunderstorms, and even brief tornadoes. L.A. County Mayor Karen Bass. If you are not home already, 
Please get home and stay home. Stay off the roads. Governor Newsom's office deploying state resources. He says 8,300 boots are on the ground statewide to respond to the storm. In the Bay Area, river flooding a concern, thunderstorms and coastal tornadoes as well. Hundreds of thousands reported to be out of power across California and up to six feet of snow possible in the Sierra Mountains. I'm Clayton Neville. When we return, tomorrow's primary and President Biden. Back this Monday on America in the morning after these messages. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. This is America in the Morning. We've got more now on those storms in California for you. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. The latest storm to hit the western U.S. and California specifically has been everything it's advertised to be. There have been reports of wind gusts over 90 miles per hour along with inches upon inches of rain. This is combined to cause power outages in the hundreds of thousands across the state. The storm and associated atmospheric river of moisture causing this considerable damage will continue to shift slightly southward through the state, focusing around Los Angeles and continuing towards San Diego. Another one to two inches of rain will fall across those areas with local amounts up to four inches. Flooding risks will continue as a result. This could continue into the evening hours as well before shifting a little more to the south and east later tonight. Snow will also fall over the Sierra Nevada where several more inches can impact the region. This will continue to slow travel through some of the higher passes. Additionally, rain and snow will fall through Nevada and carry on into Utah as well, as well as northward from Washington and Oregon eastward to Idaho. There can be several inches of snow in the mountains, but the impacts will generally be less than areas farther south. The other storm on the map is a system in the Gulf Coast. This storm has produced several thunderstorms, severe storms yesterday, including a few tornadoes. Fortunately, we are not anticipating similar activity today, but rain will continue from portions of Louisiana into Alabama this morning with the steadiest and heaviest rain across southern Florida. And then the rest of the nation remains fairly quiet with high pressure in place. That's the weather across America. Salt Lake City will have some impacts from the big storm with a little rain and a high of 52. Charlotte, North Carolina will have a mix of clouds and sun with a high near 60. That's the nation's weather. I'm AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy.
Remember to follow us everywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. President Biden begins campaigning in Nevada ahead of tomorrow's primary, fresh off his win this weekend in South Carolina. Correspondent Julie Walker reports. Joe Biden taking to his personal X account to thank primary voters. South Carolina, we did it again. Beating other Democrats, including Representative Dean Phillips and author Marianne Williamson. But it's a rematch with Donald Trump Biden is focusing on as he officially opened his re-election campaign headquarters in Wilmington, Delaware, Saturday. It's the weirdest campaign I've ever been engaged in. It's even worse than in terms of his behavior than the last time in 2020. Biden now in Nevada, where early voting has begun in the state's Tuesday primary. In 2020, he won the general election there by fewer than three percentage points over Trump. I'm Julie Walker. A South Dakota tribe has banned Governor Kristi Noem from their reservation over her comments about the ongoing situation at the U.S. southern border. In a speech about the border crisis to lawmakers last week, Noem said a cartel-affiliated gang called the Ghost Dancers is murdering people on the Pine Ridge Reservation and that the cartels are using the reservation to smuggle drugs into the states. In response to her comments, Oglala Sioux Tribe President Frank Starr comes out, said, Governor Nome is banned from Pine Ridge, effective immediately. He took a deep offense at her gang reference, saying the ghost dance is one of his tribe's most sacred ceremonies and that the term was used with blatant disrespect. Noam responded to the ban by expressing disappointment in the decision and saying her focus remains on solving the problems at the border. The governor and the tribe have had a contentious history. She was also banned in 2019 over her response to protests of the Keystone XL pipeline. When we return on America in the Morning, stock gains in the tech sector, but for how long? Business news is next after these messages. Welcome back to America in the Morning. In for Jessica Ettinger with business, here's CNBC's Peter Schack now. The stock market is coming off four straight weeks of gains capped by a somewhat unexpected Friday surge. It was unexpected because of a much stronger than expected January jobs report, which convinced many an investor that the Fed won't be cutting rates as soon or as many times as previously thought. Stephanie Link, chief investment strategist at Hightower Advisors, says a strong economy is, for now, outweighing any disappointment over the interest rate picture. Consumer continues to be spending, and you also had pretty good productivity numbers and unit labor costs. So I think over time we will see inflation kind of settle out. Does it get to the 2% number for the Fed? Probably not. And that's why we're going to be talking about maybe second half cuts. What does all this mean for equities? It means better earnings, and that is what is happening. Strong earnings were among the factors powering Friday's rally, with quarterly results boosting meta platforms to a 20% gain and propelling Amazon up 8%. But that may not be enough to keep the market moving higher, according to Nuveen Chief Investment Officer Sarah Malik. These employment numbers 
throw a monkey wrench into the disinflation narrative that pushes out rate cuts likely till the second half of the year. Our call has only been for three to four rate cuts this year because of elongated inflation. Looking at the markets, tech has been leading here. We're just passing through the biggest week for tech earnings. My question is, what is the catalyst to take us further? The upcoming week will be the busiest of earnings season with nearly 100 S&P 500 companies reporting. Caterpillar and McDonald's will lead the way with their numbers this morning, while Walt Disney, Ford and Eli Lilly are among those reporting later in the week. Yesterday, February 4th, marked two notable anniversaries in the business world. It's been 20 years since Mark Zuckerberg launched what was then called the Facebook while a Harvard student. He's now one of the richest people in the world. And it's been 10 years since Satya Nadella took over as Microsoft CEO. That stock is up 20-fold during that time. Peter, you mentioned big gains for Meta and Amazon, but Apple didn't follow suit. Well, that's true, but not because Apple didn't put up big and better-than-expected profit and sales numbers for its latest quarter. Instead, investors are focusing on sales weakness in China, which is a key market for Apple's iPhone. Dan Flax is senior research strategist at Newberger Berman. Even as replacement rates lengthen for the iPhone business, uh, you're continuing to see customers mix higher. They want the very best product, the Pro and the Pro Max, because of the camera, amongst other features. I think China is going to remain a near-term challenge for the company. So I think they're executing well, but it's going to remain difficult in the near term. Services remain healthy, and I think we'll see better growth for the overall company later this year and into 2025. We should mention, however, that Apple stock fell about 4% in the early going on Friday, but cut that loss to about a half percent by the close. Thank you, CNBC's Peter Schachnow. Well, correspondent Rita Foley has details on an auto recall. Tesla's recalling almost every vehicle it has sold in the U.S. The problem is the warning lights on the instrument panel. The National Highway Traffic Safety Administration says the brake, park, and anti-lock brake warning lights have a smaller font size than required, and that can make critical safety information hard to read, thereby increasing the risk of a crash. This recall covers the models S, X, three and why from various years. It even covers the brand new 2024 Cybertruck. The fix is an online software update. Tesla has already started releasing the software update and owners will be notified by letter starting March 30th. Tesla says it has no reports of crashes or injuries. I'm Rita Foley. More than two dozen people have died after explosives hit a bakery in a Russian-occupied city in Ukraine. Correspondent Rika Ann Garcia reports. This was the scene in a hospital in Lugansk, where patients are being treated after a Ukrainian shelling hit a bakery in eastern Ukraine. According to local leaders, more than two dozen people, including children, have died. One of the wounded recounted the events and said that he heard shouts and something hit him in the back. The next thing he knew, he was under slabs. Ukrainian officials in Kiev did not comment on the incident. I'm Rika Ann Garcia. When we return on America in the Morning, patriotic family rebuked by community. America in the Morning, back after these messages.
This is America in the Morning. A family from the state of Maine has given up on a proposal to honor veterans with the world's tallest flagpole. Correspondent Norman Hall explains. Their lawyer says the Worcester family won't pursue the flagpole project in the town of Columbia Falls in rural down east Maine. At 1,461 feet, the flagpole would have been taller than the Empire State Building, the flag bigger than a football field. It was at the center of a billion-dollar development proposal that included museums and restaurants. But the measure divided the town's 485 residents. One said the giant flagpole would have been like putting the Eiffel Tower in the Maine wilderness. I, Norman Hall. A dog was rescued after more than a week trapped inside a shipping container in a busy Texas port. Correspondent Lisa Dwyer has the story. A routine day of inspecting over 10,000 shipping containers at the port of Houston turned into something extraordinary when U.S. Coast Guard officer Ryan McMahon and his team heard barking coming from inside one of the containers. Oh, it's scratching, dude. The container was lowered to the ground and opened to reveal that a sweet and friendly dog had been trapped inside for at least eight days with no food or water. The canine has since been nicknamed Connie the Container Dog. Connie is now with Forever Changed Animal Rescue, which is working to get her healthy and ready for adoption. I'm Lisa Dwyer. America in the Morning for Monday, February 5th, 2024 is produced by Alexander Hinton. Our senior producer is Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. This is America in the Morning from Westwood One. I'm John Trout. Coming up this half hour... A vehicle convoy and more than a dozen Republican governors converge on the Texas-Mexico border. I'm Clayton Neville. The U.S. launches attacks against Iran proxies. I'm John Stolmas in Washington. Authorities are investigating the death of a 73-year-old skydiver in Arizona. I'm Julie Walker. Today's computer's too slow for AI. Optical computing may be the answer. I'm Chuck Palm. The Celtics cruise while the best in the West keep pace. I'm Robert Workman. Back after these messages. This is America in the Morning. Most of the focus has been on the west and that major weather system. We also have showers expected in the southeast today. Here's AccuWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. The latest storm to hit the western U.S. and California specifically has been everything it's advertised to be. There have been reports of wind gusts over 90 miles per hour along with inches upon inches of rain. This is combined to cause power outages in the hundreds of thousands across the state. The storm and associated atmospheric river of moisture causing this considerable damage will continue to shift slightly southward through the state, focusing around Los Angeles and continuing towards San Diego. Another one to two inches of rain will fall across those areas with local amounts up to four inches. Flooding risks will continue as a result. This could continue into the evening hours as well before shifting a little more to the south and east later tonight. Snow will also fall over the Sierra Nevada where several more inches can impact the region. This will continue to slow travel through some of the higher passes. 
Additionally, rain and snow will fall through Nevada and carry on into Utah as well, as well as northward from Washington and Oregon, eastward to Idaho. There can be several inches of snow in the mountains, but the impacts will generally be less than areas farther south. The other storm on the map is a system in the Gulf Coast. This storm has produced several thunderstorms, severe storms yesterday, including a few tornadoes. Fortunately, we are not anticipating similar activity today, but rain will continue from portions of Louisiana into Alabama this morning with the steadiest and heaviest rain across southern Florida. And then the rest of the nation remains fairly quiet with high pressure in place. That's the weather across America. Salt Lake City will have some impacts from the big storm with a little rain and a high of 52. Charlotte, North Carolina will have a mix of clouds and sun with a high near 60. That's the nation's weather. I'm MackieWeather.com meteorologist Matt Rindy. Remember to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Amazon, and YouTube. Just search America in the Morning in your favorite listening app. I'm John Trout. As Congress prepares to tackle immigration legislation, hundreds of Americans and Republican governors are flocking to the border. Correspondent Clayton Neville has the story. Chance of USA from demonstrators with the Take Our Border Back protest, which started with a vehicle convoy in Virginia and other states and arrived in the Texas border town of Camado on Friday night. Many protesters voiced disgust for President Biden and support for former President Donald Trump's immigration policies. The weekend covered religious and political views. Meanwhile, Republican governors for more than a dozen states joined Texas Governor Greg Abbott in Eagle Pass, Texas. Arkansas Governor Sarah Huckabee Sanders called on President Biden to stop acting like there's nothing he can do to fix a broken immigration system. Every single person knows he could make changes and steps right now today to help secure our border and protect our country. Governor Abbott said he and his colleagues have allowed and a clear message. That we are banding together to fight to ensure that we will be able to maintain our constitutional guarantee that states will be able to defend against any type of imminent danger or an invasion. On Capitol Hill, the U.S. Senate's expected to release text of a proposed bill this week. Republican Congresswoman Nancy May spoke with Fox News about a potential path for an immigration bill. Anything short of shutting down the border, shutting down free hotel rooms, shutting down free credit cards for illegal aliens that are coming into this country, anything short of that is going to have problems in the House. Senators say the legislation includes $60 billion in aid for Ukraine and $14 billion in security help for Israel. $20 billion would go to border security. It would also accelerate the processing of some migrant cases. I'm Clayton Neville. In the wake of the death of three U.S. service members in Jordan killed by Iranian-backed militants last weekend, the Biden administration conducted airstrikes against targets in Iraq and Syria. Correspondent John Stolnes has this follow-up from Washington. U.S. and British forces, along with other allies, hit 36 Houthi targets in Yemen on Saturday, along with around 160 strikes on other Iran proxies in Iraq and Syria. Republicans have criticized the Biden administration's response to the attacks by the Houthi rebels a couple of weeks ago. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan on CNN State of the Union defending their response. We planned the attack. We executed the attack. We hit where we wanted to hit when we wanted to hit. 
And that was at the military advice of the president's commanders. And he gave them the order to go ahead and do it. Republican Speaker Mike Johnson on NBC's Meet the Press says the U.S. needs to take a harder line stance on Iran. We should not be appeasing Iran. That's what the Biden administration has been doing for the last three years. We are projecting weakness on the world stage. And frankly, Kristen, that is why our adversaries are acting so provocatively. But what about attacking targets inside Iran? Sullivan on ABC's This Week was asked what the U.S. would do if they were attacked by Iran directly. From the perspective of Tehran, if they chose to respond directly to the United States, they would be met with a swift and forceful response from us. Some in Congress argue the president needs to get congressional approval for the strikes. But National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says the president is acting within his rights in self-defense on Fox News, saying more attacks could be coming. What you saw on Friday night was just the first round. There will be additional response actions taken by the administration uh, against the IRGC and these groups that they're backing. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham is worried the Biden administration is mishandling foreign policy. We withdrew from Afghanistan the Taliban took over in 2021. Showing weakness, Putin invades Ukraine in 2022. In 2023, Hamas attacks Israel, killing more Jews than any time since the Holocaust. 2024, we're having Americans killed by Iranian proxies uh, in the Mideast. They're pushing us all over the place. Our national security is in freefall. The Iraqi government said 16 people were killed in the attacks, some of them civilians. The Pentagon says they're still evaluating the damage. John Stolnes, Washington. When we return on America in the Morning, Hamas officials purportedly considering a proposed ceasefire and the U.S. economy. The jobs report strong, but layoffs continue. A closer look after these messages. Welcome back to America in the Morning. I'm John Trout. The strong jobs report from the Labor Department reflects that companies are confident enough in the economy to keep on hiring, but some sectors are reporting mass layoffs. Correspondent Jackie Quinn reports. The 353,000 new jobs reported by the government Friday could seem contradictory, with some 82,000 layoffs reported in January. But analysts note that some sectors are gaining and some are scaling back. Healthcare providers added 300,000 jobs over the past three months, manufacturing increased by 56,000, and entertainment and hotels are up 60,000 positions. A major national employment firm says most of the layoffs in that period are more tech-related, including Google, Amazon, eBay, Spotify, Meta, and UPS. In some cases, cutting back after hiring binges to accommodate the post-pandemic surge in 2022. I'm Jackie Quinn. Authorities are investigating the death of a 73-year-old skydiver in Arizona. Correspondent Julie Walker has details. It's the second deadly incident involving skydiving events in Eloy in less than a month. Police say Terry Gardner and three fellow experienced skydivers were making their third jump of the day around noon last Wednesday. The group had planned a formation jump from about 
14,000 feet. Police say Gardner deployed his parachute, but it never fully opened to slow his descent. Federal authorities are still investigating the January 14th crash of a hot air balloon in a desert area of Eloy that left a pilot and three passengers dead. Eight skydivers had successfully jumped from the gondola before the balloon began experiencing problems. I'm Julie Walker. Hamas officials are reviewing a proposed ceasefire deal that suggests pauses in Gaza attacks in exchange for prisoner releases. Correspondent Rika Ann Garcia reports. Senior Hamas officials say that the group is studying a proposed ceasefire deal that would include a stop to the fighting in Gaza and large-scale prisoner release. But the militants appear to rule out some key components. <laughs> A top Hamas leader says in a public statement that their focus is on alleviating the suffering of the people in Gaza by striving for a complete end to aggression. But Hamas's numerous conditions clash with a multi-stage proposal that officials from Egypt, Israel, Qatar and the U.S. recently presented. The proposal does not include a permanent ceasefire. Efforts continue for international mediators to close wide gaps between Israel and Hamas. I'm Rika Ann Garcia. Defending Russia's presence in Ukraine? Vladimir Putin, part of his re-election campaign. Correspondent Charles de Ledesma reports. Speaking at a meeting with arms industries workers, Putin declared that the vast majority of Russians support his course. He said if the public hadn't felt that way, nothing would have happened. We're doing what people expect us to do. He again argued that sending troops into Ukraine was necessary to protect Russian speakers in eastern Ukraine and stop what he described as attempts by Washington and its NATO allies to encroach on Moscow's vital security interests. Ukraine and its Western allies have denounced it as an unprovoked act of aggression. I'm Charles Philodesma. North Korea says it's tested cruise missiles outfitted with new super-large warheads and a new type of anti-aircraft missile. With that story, here's correspondent Lisa Dwyer. The latest test continues a streak in weapons demonstrations that has rival South Korea worried. South Korea's military says that it did detect the North launching multiple cruise missiles. Analysts say that North Korea's emphasis on the new super-large warhead could imply that these missiles are intended to be armed with nuclear weapons. Cruise missiles are among a growing collection of North Korean weapons designed to overwhelm regional missile defenses. The country also has a vast lineup of ballistic missiles, including long-range weapons aimed at the continental United States. I'm Lisa Dwyer. Climate activist Greta Thunberg has been cleared of charges for refusing to leave an oil industry conference. Correspondent Norman Hall reports. A judge in London acquitted Thunberg and four co-defendants on a charge of refusing to follow a police order to leave a protest blocking the entrance of a major oil and gas industry conference in London last year. The judge cited deficiencies in the government's case. Attorney Raj Chada. The government should stop prosecuting peaceful protesters and instead find ways to tackle the climate crisis. Thunberg and other climate protesters opposed the UK government's recent approval of drilling for oil in the North Sea off the coast of Scotland. I'm Norman Hall. Today's computers have hit somewhat of a hard speed limit, but the advent of AI is pushing for creative, innovative solutions. Prepare to enter the world of optical computing. 
with correspondent Chuck Palm. According to a post on SciTech Daily, the University of Pittsburgh's Nathan Youngblood is pioneering optical computing to boost AI speeds and computing efficiency. The exponential demand for high computing power is far exceeding the capabilities of current electronic systems. Engineers at the university are shining light on a new solution. Optical computing, also called photonic computing, has shown promise over conventional hardware by using light waves produced by lasers or other sources for data storage, data processing, or communications for computing. Youngblood said in an interview, There have been notable advancements in modern computers, but gains in traditional hardware efficiency are unable to keep pace with these data-hungry systems. Optical computing makes that possible. He went on to say that right now, optical processors aren't powerful enough, accurate enough, or efficient enough to truly be used for AI. Youngblood has received grants from the National Science Foundation and the Air Force Office of Scientific Research. For more tech news, visit allthetoptech.tech. I'm Chuck Palm. The game sites for the next World Cup have been revealed, and with a look at that, here's correspondent Dave Ferry. The Meadowlands has snared soccer's biggest game. The 2026 World Cup final will be played July 19th at MetLife Stadium. FIFA made the announcement on Sunday, giving Northern New Jersey the title game over Texas and California. The tournament will be spread across three nations for the first time, Mexico, Canada, and the U.S. All games from the quarterfinals on will be played in the United States, with games in Foxborough, Massachusetts, Inglewood, California, Kansas City, and Miami. Other games in the U.S. are slated for Dallas, Houston, Seattle, Philadelphia, Santa Clara, and Atlanta, where the Americans will train. I'm Dave Ferry. Sports continues this Monday on America in the Morning. Here's our Robert Workman. NBA on Sunday, the Celtics slam the Grizzlies 131-91, improving the best record in the association to 38-12. and Jason Tatum had 34 points despite sitting out the fourth quarter. When you put this jersey on and um, you respect the game and respect the organization and respect the people that came before you by, you know, essentially giving it your all every single night. Memphis lost its fifth straight. The Clippers iced the Heat 103-95. Kawhi Leonard scored 25. L.A. has now won 25 of its last 30 and sits just a game behind Minnesota and Oklahoma City for the top record in the West. Timberwolves topped the Rockets 111-90, 32 for Anthony Edwards, 22 of those coming in the third quarter, and the Thunder wiped out a 23-point deficit to rip the Raptors 135-127. The Nuggets are right there, too. They came back to snuff out the Blazers. The champs were down 14 early and never had the lead until a Nikola Jokic layup at the end of the third quarter. Jazz put up 40 in the fourth to shoot past the Bucks. Bradley Beal came back to Washington and scored 43 to lead his new team, the Suns, over the Wizards. Pacers swatted the Hornets to snap a three-game skid. Charlotte has lost seven in a row, though rookie Brandon Miller did score a career-high 35 points. I think my teammates just pushed me to be more aggressive, just being more aggressive out the gate since we know we have guys out, so I think everybody has to step up. Also, the Magic put away the Pistons. Franz Wagner matched his career best with 38. The 76ers announced last night that Rain MVP Joel Embiid will have a procedure done on the injured meniscus in his left knee. It'll sideline him for several weeks, but maybe not for the rest of the year. Embiid is the association's top scorer this season. College basketball number two Purdue improved to 21-2 with a 75-69 win at number six Wisconsin. Another milestone for Boilermaker center Zach Eady. He blocked three shots to give him 201 for his career to go along with 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and a shooting percentage over 60%. Elsewhere, number 11 Arizona battled back from an 11-point halftime deficit to stop Stanford, and number 14 Illinois went overtime to put away Nebraska. And U.S. Open champ Wyndham Clark won the rain-shortened Pebble Beach Pro-Am. He fired a record 12-under round of 60 on Saturday before rain and 60-mile-an-hour winds forced the cancellation of Sunday's final round. That's Monday Sports. 
Thank you, sir. Catch you tomorrow when we return on America in the Morning after these messages. We're back on America in the Morning. And from music to the theater, correspondent Margie Zaraleta takes a look at the weekend box office. What happens next? It's called a cliffhanger, Mother. Ellie, it's called a cop-out. Argyle made $18 million domestically, according to studio estimates. That makes it the top movie draw for the weekend. But it cost $200 million to make. It also suffered from poor reviews from critics and moviegoers. The Christian drama The Chosen takes second place, with The Beekeeper in third. Wonka is number four. Migration is fifth. I'm Archie Zaraleta. America in the Morning for Monday, February 5th, 2024 is produced by Alexander Hinton. Our senior producer, Kevin Delaney. I'm John Trout. This is Westwood One. The Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.